Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Hunt Closet. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life on closet. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. All right, LGBTQ+, and all our allies, and anybody else who's stumbled into Life Uncloseted for another show, it is time to let your pride shine and let your ego go by the wayside. But that's so much easier said than done. So why did I bring that up? Well... Because sometimes as we navigate through our worlds and our jobs and our lives, we go in our little heads and go, well, how much pride should I be showing? And should I say things? Should I not say things? And then we find that we're suddenly maybe not being as authentic as we'd like to, but it sure can either help us or it can wound us. And today I'm interviewing a amazing author who his book just came out. Yay. Excitement there. Um, his name is Jim Fielding, and his new book is called All Pride, No Ego, A Queer Executive's Journey to Living and Leading Authentically. And I'm excited to share him with you because I feel like this is probably one of the biggest struggles we as LGBTQ plus people struggle with is how do we show up? How do we live and lead authentically in our own lives when the rest of the world is saying, put him away, put him away, put him away. <laughs> so um, welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thank you. It's nice to see you again. And thank you. I know we did this a few months ago for my other podcast, but um, we're closer. I mean, the book is out. Everything is happening. I know you've been like, oh my gosh, Rick, I'm waiting for the book so I can get some in my hands. And like, then I got to go record the audio and all. But I I find all that like, hey, it's it's part of the journey, but it's also like, I loved your, I think it was Instagram or somewhere you post like, here I am in the studio recording. I'm like, oh, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. Yes, so. it was. It was that was a great experience. Yeah, really. I I did mine I, in my closet. Surprisingly, <laughs> well, the room you saw, if you saw my Instagram post, the room I was in was not much bigger than a closet. So, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, the the team was so professional that I was with. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. So. Let's kind of for this audience who some of them may have heard the other one, but for this audience, I feel sure. like it's it's just really let's kind of give them the preview of like, you know, why and the mm. life that you kind of went through to like you. I mean, you you were with some a few big names, Disney, DreamWorks, <laughs> 20th Century Fox, you know, names that most people kind of know. Right. Yeah. But yet you kind of went astray, so to speak, of your own Midwest roots. Mm-hmm. and stepped into being you but it wasn't like okay i'm queer i'm here is at least that's what i remember from our last conversation it yes. was kind of a like how do i get here without quote ruining everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean I, yeah i mean well i mean you know at, at my core i'm a midwester i mean i was born and raised in toledo ohio in a very uh my dad was a fireman my mom was a stay-at-home mom former x-ray technician so, you know, I would say very middle middle class existence and, you know, proud of that. I mean, and, and in fact, 
my dad was second generation fireman because my grandfather was a fireman Mm -hmm. as well. And, um, and so I think I carry that Midwestern roots, those Midwestern work ethic, the edu- you know, the public school education, everything I went through with me. Um, and I had an, an incredible run in really, I talk about my career in two halves. The first half was really in retail. Right. And I really thought my career, I was, and I did end up becoming a CEO of a retailer, but I really thought I was going to stay in retail the entire time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And got to work at The Gap, got to work at department stores, some amazing names there as well. And then made the flip uh, in 2001 into big media, into Disney. That was the start of my Disney story in 2001. But I was still always doing retail or consumer products and experiences in those big media companies. So yes, people were making incredible television and films and shorts and everything else. But And I was the one who was with a lot of other people uh, creating products and experiences based on, on those, on that content. Uh, and was in LA, California over 25 years, loved it. I mean, California is an incredible place to live, but for me, when it was time, I felt like it was time when it was done. I really felt like it was done. Like I was like, okay, this chapter is closing. Ironically, it was when Fox, where I was working in 20th Century Fox, got bought by Disney in like a full circle moment. And I really, for the first time in my career, was laid off. And I heard I had done layoffs and reorgs my entire career. Unfortunately, that's what you do when you're an executive. And so I was always the one who was telling people, I'm sorry, we've had to eliminate your position. Here's your severance package. Use the outplacement services, you know, take the time, you know, use it. I had to hear myself when I got laid off because Disney didn't have a role for me when they bought Fox. And I, for the first time in my career, really stepped back and said, okay, I'm going to figure out what I want to do next. My natural inclination was to run and access my network and go to another large media company, Amazon, HBO, uh, Netflix, where I had connections. I had network. I had my reputation. That was my inclination. Yeah, that makes sense. But what happened, which helped, was it was the start of the pandemic. And so Mm -hmm. all of those, like, it shut down, right? I mean, people were working from home. They weren't interviewing for new executives. That forced me, really, to use the time to journal and to investigate what I wanted to do. And and my realization that I came up was I didn't want to do the big media, the next big media job. And I also was ready to leave California. Mm -hmm. And I think those two things together then helped me start figuring out what my, what my path was like, you know, I, I'm a storyteller by nature. We'll talk a lot about that. So I felt like one chapter was closing and I definitely felt like a new chapter was starting, but I felt like that chapter was no longer in California. Mm -hmm. Well, and it it was no longer serving you in the way that it had. And I think this is the beauty of when we have those moments, because, you know, I yes. had a similar moment when I realized, okay, I loved what I did in the hospitality industry for years and then moved to the front of the house to vendor side of the house and right. loved that. And then I'm like, but I, I don't know, the fulfillment wasn't there, you know, it, it was mm-hmm. and it wasn't, you know, and then yeah, when I, I th- yeah. got you laid off, passion. it was, yeah, you do. And that's when mm-hmm. I got laid off the second time in six years, I realized I'm not passionate about this. 
Yeah. I, I mean, showing up, I can do it. I have fun doing it. Sorry, yeah. But I, I need to do something as substance. And I had just, I'd only been out six years at that point in time in my life, gone through mm-hmm. the divorce and all this sort of stuff. So there was a lot of like, you know, pressures to be in the closet of, well, I, this is how I have to be in my own work versus, okay, well, mm-hmm. what if I came out of that closet door too, you know? Mm-hmm. And when no, I finally I think- gave myself permission to do it, oh my gosh, it was so freeing, Jim. Yeah, I think I think it's that process of, to your point, giving yourself permission, not not harboring any bitterness or shame that your role was eliminated and that you were laid off and just giving your permission to open yourself up to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, I geographically needed to make the move because I think if I had stayed in Southern California, I would have fallen back into that same pattern. I think yep. eventually the pandemic restrictions would have lifted people have been returning to work. And right, I think right. I would have naturally gravitated toward that next role. Mm-hmm. I think by returning to my Midwestern roots, by, you know, ultimately moving, I mean, I now live in Atlanta, but you know, I, I moved to Indiana and then I moved to Atlanta. Um, I think that opened up new possibilities to me that I had never considered before. Um, and I learned things about myself and felt like I landed, you know, where I am now, I felt like the position that I landed in is, is where I'm supposed to be right now. Sure. But I didn't, I didn't have it on a vision board. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. say, Oh, that's what I was going to end up doing. I never thought I would, you know, be living in Atlanta and doing what right. I'm doing. So, um, I'm a perfect example of the lifelong learner thing that I talk about in the book and staying open to the possible because I I just never want to be done. I didn't want to be finished. And so I love, I love the growth. Like I feel personal and professional growth. Like I can tangibly mm-hmm. feel that I'm different than I was three years ago. The core is still there. The core is sure. never going to change, but, um, but I am different and how I handle things and how I approach things. And, um, and people that have bumped into me now or spent time with me, they don't really know what to call it, Rick, but they're like, you're different. You're changed. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, am I happier? Am I lighter? Am I? Cause I think that's what it is. I think I'm, I'm, um, I'm not as weighed down. Yep. I'm not, I'm not carrying the same load. You know, it's interesting as you were talking through that because I was looking at the name of the book. Yeah. And it's something really just, it hit me that when we take pride in our passion and we go after it, and I'm going to just use my own example here. When I finally started going after my passion to be in personal development and be a coach, and then the podcast and everything came along. Yes, I still had to fight the ego to some degree. But what I uncovered, and it's so weird that I, I mean, and we did this other interview and this just hits me today in the midst of this (laughs) one. But everything that I've done that I'm passionate about, I do it with so much pride and there's so much less ego. Completely. No, you get it. And, and that thrills me that you got that. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't the first title of the book. The Mm. working title of the book, this is an interesting story was moments of truth. And Mm. I, I felt like, you know, I was really going to write the book about these kind of pivot moments where you had like these decisions to make it was a little bit of a different book, kind of the same story, but a different book. And ironically, and some of your listeners may know this, Robert Mueller wrote mm. Moments of Truth. And obviously he's a much bigger public figure than I am. Sure. 
And the publisher called me and said, well, Moments of Truth isn't an option. Let's brainstorm others. And I'd always had all pride, no ego in the back of my mind, because one of the things I say is I love confidence and I dislike arrogance. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where it comes from. Yep. And um, I started, you know, playing with it in my mouth and writing it down. I'm a brander, sure. I'm a marketer. So I was yep, like, yep. what's it going to look like? And then I started socializing it with some friends, you know, with the publisher. And what really sealed it was kind of the second part, a queer executive's journey to living and leading authentically. Because I was like, I'm not sure only calling it all pride, no ego, anybody will understand what the book is, right? Like I wanted it to be, if you saw it on Amazon or you saw it in a bookshelf or your store, I wanted people to know what they were kind of getting, right? That's what a cover is supposed to do. And so when we landed on kind of that second part, and now what's happened to me is similar to what's happened to you. You know, I wrote a book and I thought, okay, I wrote a book. Now I call it my first book, even though I haven't started a second book. Um, but I also realized it's a platform for discussion and it's a community builder. And it's, it's, a, it's another pivot moment for me where I really, you know, meeting people like you, doing things like this, starting to get out on the, the speaking tour for the books and, you know, doing right. appearances and things. Um, I'm realizing that it's a deeper conversation than just the book that um, this leadership journey I talk about in these 10 life lessons and 10 leadership lessons really resonate with people, which thrills well, people. Well, people want, like, show me the path, give me the way. Mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> when, frankly, mm -hmm. my dear, I'm gay came out, I was really glad, even though I love that book. It was my first one and I can read it yeah. now and go, okay, could use it. Definitely could use a rewrite. <laughs> um, which will always be what we authors do. Right, <laughs> uh, exactly. Could have been better here. In fact, yeah. as I was as I was reading my audio book, doing the audio recording, I'm like, "What the hell did I? What did I mean? That, here? What was this, I knew right? I knew you were going to say that because that is so hard when you're doing when you're reading yes. your own audio book. Yes, because I literally was like in my mind, you know, you have to concentrate because you're supposed to yes. read exactly what's on the on yes. the iPad on the page. And in my mind, I'm like, that is a clunky paragraph. Like, uh -huh. how how did exactly. I do that? Like, uh -huh. I don't think, I, and, and I wanted to fix it, right? And the right. sound engineer would be like, nah, uh, uh And I'm like, it would be so much better if I had said this. That, 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 and he's like, right. uh, uh, uh yeah. Can't and, do that. And I, it's so funny because I found that you have to become, like, obviously I wanted to be engaging when I was reading. And so I had to just concentrate on, kind of acting the book and reading the book and not worrying about funky syntax or sentence right, structure exactly. or or a weird paragraph out of left field that shouldn't have been in that part of the book. Um, and, you know, so, but it is funny because I know exactly that emotion you had. Right. And, and that's why I started to think, even when I was, I was in New York for the recording and I would have time to myself in the evening, I started to write down ideas for a second book or a third mm -hmm. book because reading it again aloud in order made me think about, oh, I want to go deeper on that topic or I want, oh, I should talk about that. Like it was, it was quite fascinating. And so that's where I realized this wasn't just a book. This was, this was changing. It's a, it's me a, yeah. It's changing yeah. you. It's a platform. It's a springboard. And, mm -hmm. and even as, as I put, frankly, my dear, I'm gay together, and I'm like, well, I don't want this to just be my story. I want mm -hmm. it to just be an autobiography, right? Mm -hmm. So as I was 
going through flanking my dear i'm gay and starting to like pull it all together and i didn't want it just to be my autobiography i was like well i i'm a coach so if i'm going to take him through this and here's the story piece then let's talk about how you get through that and so at the end of each chapter there's like so here's some exercises to do and i was like oh now this makes me feel good like th there's actionable right. items to take and that's what I love about yours as well is that, you know, these 10 actionable leadership lessons, which mm -hmm. we're not going to tell you all these. Y'all going to have to go buy the book. I'm just telling you, you're going to have to buy Jim's book. <laughs> we're not book giving them away for free. All right, we may, we may away. hit on one or two of a them. Few, but, um, a few of them, right. Yeah, but everybody wants something that they can literally grab onto, bite into, take with them, put mm -hmm. into action. And even as I'm finishing book number two, that was one of the things that came back is we, I've had a good good size group, 20 some people read the book. It's not out for proposal or anything yet. I'm, I've been being mm -hmm. like lazy, um, just say that. And, um, Eric's like, you know, there really should be some like action steps at the end of each of these chapters. I'm like, yeah, I know that's, that's going to come, but I want to see if I can get traction and use it as maybe that's the bonus. Here's the workbook that goes along with mm -hmm. the book and things like that. So, so no, you had a little bit of an interesting journey, though, to yours, because as you said, you didn't really think I'm going to just going to go write a book. Mm -mm. No, or it, go it get started, a publisher either. No, it started because I started to get more verbal and vocal on LinkedIn, you know, and writing longer posts and posts that were more storytelling and more using my voice where I, I was, I was talking about issues of the day or things that I was happy with or things quite honestly, I wasn't happy with. And, right. and people started to reach out to me from the publishing world saying, it sounds like you have a book in you. And I was like, you know, pishaw, like, I don't have a book. Right, right. Like, like that was 150 words, like, thank you. But, but I think ultimately what it came down to was John Wiley and Sons, who I'm with, who's been incredible. When I met Shannon Vargo, the executive editor of my book, and she said, I want you to write the book at the time that 56-year-old Jim writes to like basically 24, 25-year-old Jim, that you wish mm -hmm. the book that you would have had when you were young and just starting in your career. That to me was like an aha moment, talking about a moment of truth, where that then became the organizing principle for the book. And she was basically giving me permission selfishly to write a book to myself um and then i was like i then my editing was i didn't want it to be a book to myself it's my book as you know has a yes. lot of autobiographical elements in it there's a lot of stories in it i had to go vulnerable it's not told in order it's not told chronologically there's it's personal and professional anecdotes but i it made me realize that um i wanted to make sure that the 10 lessons were universal, that they were not my lessons and that, you know, they were like the Jim's Magna Carta. You must do these 10 things and you will then be successful. Um, but, I, but I wanted them to be thought provoking and I wanted them to be intentionally kind of open-ended. Yes. I tell stories of why I think they're important, but I say over and over again in the book, you need to develop your own formula. You need right. to do what's right for you everybody's situation, everybody's story is different. Uh, and that's why with my early readers, I, I chose an intentionally wide swath of 
backgrounds, demographics, male, female, bisexual, straight, gay, people of color, because I wanted to make sure that what I was talking about was a universal experience, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't Mm -hmm. written as a gay white man to himself. Right. And one of the things that uh, I'm going to just pull out, I like all the actionable ones. We can talk about them. Yeah. I'm going to talk about one that I just feel like is like the epitome of bringing those two worlds together. Mm-hmm. And it's the finding the power of putting yourself first. Because that's such a confrontational thing, you know, where selfish isn't a bad word. It's self-care, putting yourself first. It's like the oxygen mask sort of, you know, metaphor yeah. and everything. And people have a freaking hard time with that. I know. Mostly I because was, yeah. ego gets in the way a lot of times in that principle. Like ego, ego gets in the way and... And depending on how you were raised, you know, I talk about in the book, I love that learning. I talk in the book that I was programmed that selfish was a bad word to the point of, I spent a lot of times in the corner of the living room and looking at the corner in Toledo, Ohio. I knew my mom's wallpaper pattern really well (laughs) because the chair would be in the corner and I'd be looking at the wallpaper pattern. And I... It took me until I was in my 50s, Rick. I mean, we talked about this last time until Mm -hmm. I got a really good executive coach who worked me through. Like, I was like, selfish is bad. Selfish is bad. Mm -hmm. Selfish is bad. Selfish is bad. And not only bad, you were going to be punished. And selfish meant not sharing, not caring, putting your needs before somebody else's. Like, it was just bad, bad, bad. There was not, there was no black and white in that. In my family, it was bad. And, um... I mean, it was black and white. There was no gray is what I'm saying. And and with the work of this incredible coach, learning that I was running my batteries down so low by taking care of everybody else and putting everybody's needs first and, you know, my, my, you know, my partner's needs first, my friend's needs first, my family, the work, that then what would happen to me is I would run the batteries down. I would get physically sick. Like I would literally get a cold or like a flu, my body would say, that's it. You're going to lay down. And then I would mentally get angry. Like I would get bitter because I'd be like, I am giving and giving and giving and giving. And I'm not getting anything in return. Like I started almost like this bank mentality of like, I'm making all these deposits. Why aren't I getting returns? Which was the ego sneaking in hundred percent to your point. It's like, I deserve better. I give, I give, I give. And once I let go of that, And I said, in order for me to be 100% productive and to create the right environment for my teams, I need to be bringing the best of me. That means I've got to meditate more. I've got to do yoga. Mm -hmm. I've got to work out. Like I got to get up in the morning and work out before I do anything at work. I'm, I'm going to go back to my journaling. I started doing coloring books. I think we talked about that last time, but like I started doing adult coloring books, um, just to have something that was mine like an outlet that was mine. And then I found that the people around me found me more pleasant. Mm -hmm. Uh, People liked to work with me even more. It was better for my personal relationships. And um, I'm I'm glad that that resonates with you because I think for a lot of us, especially of our generation, that's a big learning. Well, it's a big early and and it's not just our generation. I think this, it, it goes back through time. You know, and it goes into the future Mm -hmm. as well, because now when everything's an Instagram moment and an influencer, there's so much of putting yourself first that happens in that, 
but are you doing it in the right way that and for the right suddenly, reasons and for the right reasons that doesn't suddenly turn you into you know yes basically the next asshole you know the next yeah, asshole yeah. that you know and i think that's that's such an interesting space to play in because like you i struggled with this and yeah, uh, sure. the reason i came out late in life was literally because i put everybody else first mm-hmm. yeah i feel blessed yeah i'm blessed that that was when my moment was supposed to happen i don't regret i mean i know people say you don't regret it i'm like no because i wasn't ready until i was ready authenticity right there yes as soon as i started showing up in this way i'm like there's nothing wrong and even as i raised my daughters i've always tried to instill in that please don't do because of somebody else's expectations Mm -hmm. do because it's important to you you know huge gift it is a gift gift you're giving them a huge gift if they can listen and learn from that huge gift Mm -hmm. um yeah, I I wish I had learned it earlier in my life. But I think the other, there's another one, and I'm only going to give them two, Jim. I promise. Sure, the two, sure. There's only two that I want to give them on this because I want them to get the book. <laughs> but I feel like this is Rick's interesting segue to it because I feel like when you can put yourself first, you actually start to control what's controllable mm. because you give yourself that power to say, I'm controlling what I'm doing for myself, and it's not selfish. And so it helps you start to kind of, you know, work that muscle of what can you control and what can't you? But also the moment I realized I was able to put myself first and control my desire to be fully who I wanted to be as a gay man, Mm -hmm. I also opened the flood doors to what was possible. If somebody had told me in 1999 when this all was unraveling and I was going through the divorce and all this stuff was happening and I felt completely out of control. But if they had said, wait, what you're doing is a very beautiful step of you being first mm-hmm. and not being selfish and controlling mm-hmm. what you can control. But it was going to open the doors to the possibilities that you'll be a published author, that you'll have two successful podcasts, that you'll get to speak on stages all over the world, that you'll have great. I mean, I was trying to think through this the other day, not because of ego, but I'm like, I actually don't know how many thousand people at this point, like thousands of people I have coached since 2009, but it's not the number. It's like, that's kind of a, it's a humbling thing. Like it's the feeling. Yes. This many people have given me, you know, what is it that um, I can't think of is it's the NBC news host on the weekends, Jose Villard, something. He always says, thank you for giving me the privilege of your time. I yeah. see you as a guest on the podcast, my clients, they've given me the privilege of their time to be part of their world. Even That's just beautiful. saying that I got get goosebumps because no, I've allowed myself to step forward and say, this is what I need to do for me that then enabled me to control where I was going. But also mm-hmm. in that controlling, I opened up to possibilities I never could have seen before. Never. 100%. Now, and I think, I think it's such a great example of that learning again of this, pride ego thing is that um you know the the full learning is control the controllable but leave space for the possible and it's intentionally got a comma in there because the first part of my career and honestly probably up until i was 50 was all about control and controllable i was known for being on time under budget over delivering 
And literally a hundred percent of my life was planned personal and professional. Yep. I knew, I knew when my vacations were going to be, what conferences I was going to went, like, I just was, I was in charge. And a lot of that is ego because I was controlling things that honestly are not controllable. Like I was just bulldozing through, you know, irrespective of like geopolitics or weather or like, I was just going to control and I had been rewarded. We talked about this. I'd been mm-hmm. rewarded my whole career for being a control freak. Of course. I was a type A anal retentive control freak, 100%. Yep. And anybody that worked for me would say, oh my God, here comes Jim with controller controllable. Like I would just say it, controller controllable. Control. Like I was like the robot, controller controllable. To the point of where then you, again, you have those mini breakdowns where you're like, I, the plates are dropping. I always thought of myself like in the circus is the guy spinning yep, the plates yep, yep. on the sticks. And I was a master at having like 28 plates going. And all of a sudden the plates were dropping and they were breaking and mm-hmm. I was losing control. And I, and I felt out of control. And that's where I had, I had to learn again, with the help of incredible executive coach, I had to learn that it was okay to let some of those plates drop and that learning from those broken plates and learning from those things that I was not able to control was really allowing me to then open up the space for the possible. Uh Like, and just Uh to have those moments in the day or in the week or in the month where you have nothing scheduled, you're not seeing friends, you're not running errands, you're not doing work, you're not walking the dog, you're literally just being. And for me, it got back to meditation. It got back to journaling. Like, I'm not really good at just 100% sitting. I have to kind of be sitting and doing something like doodling or something. But that's me. That's just, I'm a very visual learner. And so I have to be writing or drawing. But um, my husband always says, how do you watch uh, TV and and do what you're doing on your phone? I can hear and I can follow the whole storylines. Like tracking. you, you, You weren't doing anything. You weren't paying attention to the movie. I'm like, really? Let me tell you, here's what happened. Da, 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 totally. Da, 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 it's, da, da, that da, da, is a skill. The multi-tracking like, you know, is a skill. Yes. That, I agree. That's a skill. I can do the same thing. And so for me, like my best ideas, my best inspirations have come in the last four or five years when I just leave the space for the possible. And I operate my life on an 80-20 rule, like Pareto's principle. I still plan 80% of my life. I am not going to sure. sit here and tell your listeners, oh, I'm just... Mr. Spontaneous and Happenstance, my friends and family would die if they heard that when they hear the podcast. So, but even for me, getting to 80-20 is revolutionary because if you go from 100 to 20, and that doesn't mean some weeks, it's probably more 50-50. Some weeks it might be 20-80 where I'm much better on vacation now. Like when I go on vacation, Mm -hmm. I'm on vacation and I... But, you know, I was the person on vacation. I'm sure, Rick, you would know if you went on vacation with me. Like, I had every moment planned. Where we were eating breakfast, yep. what museums we were going to, where where we were going to lunch. Oh, then we're going to go here. It's it's so funny because um, my partner and I are getting ready to go to Paris as as a break from all this and, and a celebration. It's his birthday year and stuff. And it's the least planned trip to Paris I've ever done in my life. <laughs> intentionally. Intentionally. Yeah. I keep telling him. We're going to wake up in the morning when we wake up, we're going to have breakfast and we're going to just walk around and see what we feel like we doing. See. Yep. And we'll just, and I said, maybe we'll sit at a sidewalk cafe for two hours and, you know, drink, you know, cafe con creme, like, yeah, I mean, right. you know, cafe au lait. Um, I don't know. Like, and I'm right. so excited about that. That is new gym. 
That mm. is not 10 years ago, Jim. But Jim, no. don't you think that part of that came from seeing the flip side of all these principles? Like when you were oh, talking God, about yeah. you got rewarded for being type A and everything. I got rewarded and even still to some degree, because I mean, most of my listeners know I have this these podcasts and my private coaching yeah. practice, but I also work for another company as their lead coach. Yeah. And I said, I was never going to work for another company again. I mean, when mm -hmm. I went out on my own, I said, we're done. We are done. Right. But I had been so rewarded my entire roles in hospitality and technology and all this stuff mm -hmm. for being the guy that took care of everybody else. That's mm -hmm. how Rick didn't get huge promotions, but Rick got the right promotions because, well, we know he'll be really good for the team. And he always is mm -hmm. that kind of leader that's going to make sure everybody, in fact, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. I literally just did a disc assessment today because this is something that this company I work yeah. for, rolling that out. And I'm reading through it and I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I already know because I've done it numerous times, but it, it was a good reminder of, it's good for me to do that as long as I don't become the epitome of the people pleaser. Mm -hmm. 100%. because that's when that's when rick loses his power that's 100%. when the give, uh, putting yourself you're giving away. away yes exactly you're and not so only losing I've, power you're giving it away like you're literally bleeding the power and mm -hmm. um yeah i mean hallelujah like everything you're saying i'm just like amen one of the things that just recently happened which is Actually, it's a really good example of, and this has nothing to do with the business world, but I think I can tie this in really yeah, yeah. good to the name of your book. <clears throat> so I've always had challenges with my, my parents accepting my, you know, being mm -hmm. gay. And we've gone back and forth around religion and everything. And I've made it very clear. I, I am not a practicing Seventh-day Adventist any longer. Mm -hmm. the, and, and I want you to go do that if that's what works for you. Right. And every so often it, it shows up, right? And we've been having a good relationship now for a while. We went through a whole year where we didn't even, we didn't even talk mm -hmm. because I'm just like, I'm done. I, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And God bless them. Love them dearly. They like, well, we're going to send you something that we picked up at church. Cause it's really talking about what's happening in our world right now. And at first I was like, fine, whatever. And then when I got the text from mom saying, okay, I put it in the mail today. I decided to not let my ego get in the way. And not be that, like, screw you, da 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 da, which is kind of what I wanted to say. How many times do we yeah. have to go through this? How many times do I have to say, right? I said, hey, great if you want to still send it. However, I have to be really honest. I don't align with that value system. And I probably won't give what you're sending any energy. I appreciate that that works for you. But that just it doesn't really work for me. So I'm going to let you do what you want to do. But I'm I'm being honest with you. And I feel like I'd rather be honest with you than not. Love you. Awesome. I walked away like, okay, I stood in my pride of being who I am. And my pride of having a voice and saying what I needed to say without being a jerk. And I asked my ego to like, take a break out of this. You don't have to win this battle. Today is not the day that you have to make them understand you and do it or die. And it was really beautiful, Jim, because we picked right up after that conversation and things are just like, it's not, and I can sense it's not going to, well, it may come up. That is such, you have got to celebrate that. Like I am golf clapping for you under the table here because that is such a self-awareness moment and a, mm -hmm. and a, like what you were doing was managing expectations, right? You yes. were managing their expectations. 
you were managing your own expectations in a really beautiful way that was preserving an extremely important relationship in our lives. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our parental relationship has, it's a roller coaster. We all go up yes. and down with our parents. Yes. Right. And, but I mean, that is like such a core fundamental relationship of your life. I think that relationship and sibling relationships, mm-hmm. which I talk about in the book yes, are so essential to me yes, and, and my, my personal success. And, but but you're we, there's days you're like frustrated with them. Oh, and absolutely. You're, you're banging your head against the wall. And what I love about what you did, the beauty of it is, guys, no judgment. Send me whatever you want to send. I'm just managing your expectations. Don't right. expect this big aha moment. Mm-hmm. And also you were allowing yourself to let go and kind of receive it in, mm-hmm. a, in a very positive way. Like right. it's like, and- yeah, I, I just love that. And I think well, so and, many and it's people... an, it's again, Jim, embracing, you know, your principle of I controlled what I could control. I totally. can't control if she puts you it in the mailbox. You can't stop her from mailing. No, exactly. No. You can't but stop I can her from also, mailing. So I can let her do that. And I can <laughs> I also I, I put myself first in that space. But I also just I could take all 10 principles, which I'm not, and I could go and and yeah, this yeah. happened in that, and this happened in because as I look yeah. at your 10 principles, which I've been looking at. It's like, I can make this work. And I think that's the beauty of what you put out here in the world. Yes, most people might look at this like, mm. okay, I'm supposed to be a better leader. Well, here, here's here's a flash for everybody listening. Every one of us leads. You lead your own life every moment when your eyes open up 100%. and you lead yourself to get your ass out of bed or to not get your ass out of bed. And even if you stay in bed, you're mm. leading yourself. We lead every day. Yeah. You don't have to be a CEO Why? of the company. No. And I think, I think what you picked up on Rick that I've appreciated so much is at the end of the day, the 10 principles aren't really about making you a better leader. At the end of the day, it's about making you a happier person. Absolutely. And it's about actually making you a better person, a better mm-hmm. version of yourself. My entire book is about me being my best version of myself and my most mm-hmm. authentic version, and then creating environments, safe environments, workplaces, communities, tribes, whatever you want to call them, family units, where everybody gets to feel like they're bringing the best of them. And so to me, the, the journey, that's why the, you know, the, the queer executives, the journey, and it was a journey. I'm still on the journey. Absolutely. I'm still learning every day is it was to living and leading authentically. Like for me, that had to come together. It wasn't like, I'm going to be an incredible leader, but I'm going to live like my life is going to be not great, but I'm going to be a great leader. I'm going to be super successful at work. And everybody's going to tell me I have this amazing career. I had to bring that together. It's like, it had to be both. And, and um, what I wish for all anybody who reads it at any age, by the way, like it's not just for young leaders or mid career leaders or people who want to be in the C-suite. I just, I, I say in the book, just take a little bit away. Like, you don't have to take the whole thing away. Like, but just hopefully somebody say, wait a minute, I see myself in that learning or I understand what he's saying. Like I do that, or I did that. And, um, you know, I, other interviews I've been on other podcasts, they asked me like what my favorites are. And it's, it, that's really hard to say, but, yes. um, but there's certain learnings. I mean, we talked about two of my faves, but, um, there's just certain learnings that, and as you know, as an author, there were some learnings that were easier to write than others. Like mm-hmm. some of them flowed more. 
yes. were more joyous and others were painful to the point of where, you know, and you can kind of guess what some of those are, but I mean, right. I, yep. I, you know, where I was crying as I was writing and I would have to stop and I would write five or 600 words. And then I just delete it all because I was like, I can't go there. It's too raw. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's wasn't that I wasn't being authentic. It was like, I'm just, I'm not ready to go there. And then, you know, then I would go back and redo, but, um, to me, ultimately writing the book, like I want to help people, but it helped myself. I mean, it was a very selfish, mm -hmm. selfish is not a bad word. At the end of the day, it was a cathartic, selfish exercise for myself. And I see that and I feel it in everything I've seen yeah. so far. Of course, I haven't seen the book yet, but that, no, that's I coming. No, but it's um, coming. You're getting coming. a very nice signed copy. It's all coming. Yeah. So... I'm so excited to see this unraveling and the book being out and you setting out because yeah. there's a platform here that comes out of these sort of things. I mean, mine came out of, frankly, my dear, I'm gay, but now where I'm headed with book number two, that one set the tone for what I believe is actually the platform of where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. And I'm being it. very, I'm being very, how do I say this? I, I am asking my ego to really set aside right now, like beef. Yeah you know, be fierce and, you know, driven about, I want to see this come to life. But I keep asking myself, why? No, I What's love that. behind this? No, I be think it's be intentional, but understand yes. the motivation. I love Absolutely. that. Yeah. And um, yes, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, for me, you know, we were talking, we we're talking about the platform. Like that's why I did the website. Now I'm doing a, we a newsletter every two right, weeks right. where I'm featuring queer leaders and, you know, like just mm -hmm. all of those exercises were, again, we're not on the vision board, but as I got into this, I'm like, you know what? People want to have this conversation. People want to yep. sign up for a newsletter. They, they want me to go farther. They want me to talk about current events. They, you know, they want to hear what I have to say. Yep. And, and what I'm, what I'm getting excited about, especially with the tour is that two-way dialogue now that I'll be able to have conversations with people and that have read the book or are reading the book. And it's like having these live discussion groups. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear all the stories and all the yeah. stuff and see the reviews and, and actually see. see it in, in some hands. And in fact, I would like any listener that wants to get a copy of his book, Rick will give you a copy of his book. You just email me at rick at rickclemens.com. Oh. The first one that emails me, I will get it sent to you from Amazon because I just, I love what Jim, what you're that's doing. Amazing. Oh my God, Rick, that's amazing. Oh my God, that's a gift. So, um, I so, I so, so anyway, appreciate that. I'm just, Thank I, you so I'm much. so excited that's... and glad that you came back a second time. I got to oh use my you gosh. twice. Got to I use come... you twice. When you do podcast number three, I'll be there. Like, yeah, I, awesome. I really love what you're doing and your message and, how you're trying to make the world a better place. So thank you. Right so, back so at much. you. Bro. Okay. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. Of course. You. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. 
So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.